Sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 19. I hope that you enjoyed episode 18, which was the first part of my conversation with Greg O'Mahony. As you all know by now, Greg is a native Floridian who played professionally all over the world chasing his PGA Tour dreams. If you liked the first half, you will definitely enjoy the second half. You want a reason? I'll give you two. Gary Busey. That's right. Nobody can refuse a good Gary Busey story, and I promise you that Greg has one for you in this half of the interview. Before we kick things off, remember, if you haven't listened to episode 18, do that first, then listen to this one. That's why we have all these things numbered. Remember, we're on Instagram. Check us out, the Back of the Range podcast. Our website, thebackoftherange.com. That's where you can find all the information on the episodes, where you can download it, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, you name it. And if you want to shoot me an email, the email address is ben at thebackoftherange.com. So, Greg, let's settle back in here at the back of the range. You've had the taste of the PGA Tour. You've gone back. You've Mondayed into to web.com events. You've played on mini tours all over the country. You've played state opens. You've played every tournament. Name for me, if you can, every single mini tour you've ever played on. Oh, God. Uh, minor league golf tour, Florida professional golf tour, West Florida golf tour, national pro golf tour, gateway golf tour. Now, let me stop you with the National Pro Tour. You mentioned this something earlier before we, we started recording this episode, something that funny something funny that happened on the National Pro, Pro Tour. Uh, tell me about San Diego. Okay. So, San Diego, I, I qualified for this tour. You had to go to their Q school where top 25% or something get cards, which was pretty a big deal because a membership cost $9,000, covered all your entry for the whole year, something like 20 events, I want to say. And you didn't have to pay any more, any more money. That was your entry fees. You okay. Know? So then you're playing for $175,000 purses every day. It's almost like what Canada or Latin is now. This is when I broke my wrist. I fly out to California. Hadn't practiced at all, like for six six or seven weeks. Missed the cut in the first event because of weather. Had to have a 36-hole day, and I just my wrist couldn't hold up. Sure. Make the cut on the number of the second event. Make a little bit of money. Third event's in San Diego. No expectations, obviously. I'm kind of still rusty. It's three weeks in a row. I go out. I somehow end up like in seventh or eighth place going to the final round. Like, playing sharp, crazy greens. Reminded me, the course reminded me a lot of my home golf course, Tequesta, believe it or not. And I was like, I think I can do well here. I ended up shooting, like, a crazy good 68 and a really high win to the last day to get into a three-way playoff. Birdie the third playoff hole to win the golf tournament. And I get this awesome trophy. <laughs> like, I'm talking, this guy is the tallest, skinniest golfer you've ever seen. Like me. Go yeah, ahead. It kind of reminded me of you. He didn't have any hair. Okay. Oh, so we, uh, I, I'm carrying this thing. And this was the last event of the road trip. Okay. I mean, I, we drive up to L.A. It's St. Paddy's Day weekend. I go up being an Irish guy. I go up, I meet my sister, and we go to an Irish pub for some beers to celebrate. I'm with two of my best friends in the world. Traveling. This, these are the guys I'm traveling with for the year. Just living life. We're having an off night after three weeks. Sure. I get to see my nephew. We crash. We all sleep on air mattresses in my sister's one-bedroom apartment. One of those kind of things. Sure. Perfect. And, I remember the next day I woke up with a headache the size of California from drinking way too many Guinnesses and some Irish whiskey. Beauty. And go to the airport, and I'm like, this flight's going to be awful. 
I'm carrying this trophy that's like three feet tall that doesn't need to be three feet tall because the guy, if it was an equivalent of a human, is like a 12-foot human being. Okay. You know, in relation to everything else. I'm going through, I'm literally walking through the, I just put my stuff through the x-ray machine. I'm walking through the machine. I go to grab my trophy, pick the trophy up, look to the left, and it disintegrates in my hands. I'm talking like clay, whatever the heck this thing I made up is in a thousand pieces on the floor. All over the place at LAX airport. I'm like, what am I going to do? You're... At first, I'm like, there, nobody's going to believe I won this golf tournament. I don't have a big check to carry home. I want this trophy, damn it. You know, it's like going through my head. Sure. So I scoop up all the pieces I can, you know, throw it in my backpack. <laughs> now it fits in my backpack because it's in a bunch of pieces. Well, you know, it's easier to carry that way. I'm a little hungover, it. too, mind you. All right. So we go to our flights delayed two hours. All right. Typical airline, not a big deal. So me and my buddies go, you know what? We got a couple weeks off. Let's go have a few drinks at the bar. And I'm like, I'll go have a beer. Turns into they have a shot and a beer special. Who do I sit next to? Gary Busey. I'm talking, my day is so strange at this point. I'm like, that's Gary Busey. Okay. I mean, his teeth are bigger than you could think they are. Gary Busey. That's how I knew it was Gary Busey. He's He's got a mouthful of two by fours. I know. And he is talking to the bartender in just... The most rambling bullshit. I wish I could even tell you what he was saying. All of a sudden, they call a flight last last call for to get on a plane to go somewhere. Uh-huh. I think it was New York City. And he gets up, throws money on the table, and just starts running. Okay. To catch his flight to, I believe it was New York City. Well, Didn't get a chance to pick his brain, but man, I wish I could have. Well, you know, we've, we've arrived now because, you know, you, you don't have a podcast until Gary Busey gets mentioned. I mean... Really? Uh, so, after the disintegrated trophy Gary Busey incident, um, now you played that tour out in Hawaii also, didn't you? Yeah, so how that tour worked was halfway through the year, they had a mark where if you were top 30 on the money list, you got all you had to do was get there. It was an additional $150,000 purse that wasn't part of your original entry fees that they get, like, kind of, it was like a, if you show up, you're going to make 1500 bucks. They want you to bring your wives, girlfriends, whatever you have at that moment. Come out, stay at Turtle Bay Resort. We get out there. Remember, I'd booked a flight for me and my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, Megan. And we're just kind of chilling. I had been on a six-week-in-a-row road trip. This was the week after I played. I had played the web event when I met Lee Jansen. Then I just finished third or fourth in their most recent event in Indiana. Hopped on a plane and flew straight to North Shore of Hawaii. And we're out there, and all of a sudden... The main owner of the tour isn't there. They said breakfast, lunch, and dinner was free every night for you and a guest. I go down to breakfast the first day with my girlfriend at the time, now wife. Breakfast was $55 at Turtle Bay Resort. I'm like, this was supposed to be free. All the players were like, what is going on right now? We can't afford to eat $55 sure. breakfast. Sure enough, after the second round, we find out that the guy doesn't have any money left. I'm owed $25,000 at this point, roughly twenty four and change. Buddy of mine had just finished like fourth an event and then won an event. Rian Gibson, who has been yeah. on the PGA Tour, yeah. he's like, "How am I going to pay my mortgage? Like, because we're all like we depending on this money. It's Not your- to mention we just spent thousands of dollars to fly to Hawaii and bring a guest because you're looking to kind of break even and have a mid mid break essentially. You know what I sure. mean? You don't don't think you're going to finish last. You know, so you think you're going to at least break even or make some money going to Hawaii. We find out there's no money left in the tour. This was the last event of the tour. So, what do you do? Do you did you guys even play? 
we played because we were there kind of thing. Like, why wouldn't you play? Like, But they had no money to pay you even if you won. Yeah, the, the main people weren't there. They had their, like, scoring people there. And so we all fly home after we get done. I played awful. Like, Well, there's no – I mean, yeah. yeah. And I remember getting home going, well, now what am I going to do the rest of the year? Like, I got two months to Q school. I need to play. I already had my schedule mapped out. I think I had three or four flights booked, like – because you're still booking them ahead of time trying to sure. get the best rates. You of know? course. And I remember, so I played the minor league golf tour. Every every event they had, I played the minor league golf tour. Don't think anything of it. Just figure I'm never going to get paid. I'm like, damn, this is when I had the support from my sponsor. Sure. He's like, you're not allowed to play another event on that tour. Like, I don't care what you say. Until they pay you in full, you're not playing another event. Yeah. I go, well, that's fair. Understood. Don't think anything of it. Sure enough, the week of second stage of Q school, I get through first stage. The week of second stage of Q school, I get a call. Hey, I want to talk to you about giving you a partial payment for your mini tour earnings that you're owed. Some lawyer. I'm like, what do you mean a partial payment? I'm owed twenty four thousand and change. I'm like, I need that in case I don't get through Q school for next year. And he's like, Well, we'll offer you sixteen thousand dollars in free membership next year. <laughs> I'm like, Where did you come up with this number? And why do you think I'm that stupid? Well, no, he's like, Well, so you can either take this sixteen thousand in free membership on the they had bought in the gateway or something had right. bought and I right. looking back on it, I don't even remember what the legal was. All I heard was you can take the sixteen now or you can get a lawyer and fight us for the rest of it. And I'm like, A, I can't afford a lawyer. B, I need the sixteen thousand. It's more than what I paid to get that money. I'll take it. Sure. So I took the money, lost what roughly ten thousand dollars and moved on. Never right. played another event on that tour. Of course. Obviously. But that's not the only time I've ever been burned. But that's the stories and, that's just, and the and that's just stories the, of mini tour golf. That's just the way it is. Yeah, they're all LLCs. If they want to get up and run, they get up and run. It's sad, but it's the truth. And you need, but the, but the thing is, you, if you're fighting to make it, you need something to play in before Q school. You can't just like hit balls in the range and then go play Q school. So, what other choice do you have? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd love to sit and play five dollar Nassau's with you right, all day, but Ben. That, but that's not going to train me. Yeah, because you're going to lose. You're going to lose your ass. So, but what I'm saying I'm is, I'm going to lose at least dinner to you once a month. Oh God, well, suck it up. So you go to Q school. When did you start? And and we can talk about you know your your Q school ventures. But I I want to ask you about when did you decide to try European Q school? Like what made that decision? I know there's plenty of stuff we can talk about domestically, but in the in the interest of brevity, I really want to get into. Now you're you're traveling domestically, but now you're becoming an, a, an international player traveling all over the place in Europe. How did that start? Tell me about that. So growing up in South Florida. Brooks Kepko was an acquaintance, friend, sort of. We hung out a little bit when we'd play amateur events, and he's a little bit younger than me, but seeing what Brooks did was like, well, damn, that may be a good route. They had just switched PGA Tour Q School to only web.com Tour Q School the year prior. And I was like, the price is the same. This is insane. Like, I need to have better avenues. They gotta, there's got to be more options for us as players. So when the schedules came out for Q School, I realized I could do both. It was the last year of my contract with my financial support. I had the money in the bank from playing decent to be able to afford to do both of them. I'm like, you know what? Let's go. All in. I want to do it. If I'm going to do it, let's do it. It was the craziest fall I've ever had between playing, staying sharp, jet lag, all that good stuff. I'm not flying first class. I'm not on a private plane. I'm not staying in the best hotels. So it's, it was tiring on the body. So what I did was, I'll never forget it. I signed up for the earliest European Q school I could for first stage in Alcochete, Portugal, at Riba Golfe. It's the name of the golf course. Okay. okay. 
I didn't know a lick of Portuguese. Nope. All right. But I had two buddies that wanted to go. My my One of my best buds from traveling was like, hey, let's go do this. I'd rather do this than Webb. He didn't have any financial support but had enough money. He just made 20 grand in an event earlier in the summer. He could afford to go to, to, go to Europe Q School. He's like, there's more money in it down the road. Let's go to Europe. Sure. I go, sounds good. I sign up for both. We go, we fly out there. Me and my buddy Eric, Eric Cole at the time, who is a great golfer, we both get through first stage. You can pick where you go in Europe for first stage. You can't pick for second, and obviously there's a final stage, but that's everybody's at finals. So I, we get through first, we fly home. I then have two days off, and I have first stage of Q school for web.com tour at Quail Valley up in Vero, uh-huh. which never played the golf course. Little bro had won the Florida State Junior there. I signed up for it on his word. That would be a great golf course for me. Hadn't the time to get up there. Go up there. Don't even play a full practice round. I play nine holes. I then have the assistant. I asked the assistant golf pro if he could show me around. Nate Tyler. I owe him everything for this. Because I played the back nine in my practice round. He drives me around the front nine. Shows me this is where you want to be. This is where you don't want to be. All because of my little brother winning the state junior. The relationship that he had built. Yep. I go out the first day, and I birdie the first four holes. And I shot 64, 63, where I could just cruise through first stage of web. My pressure's gone. That week turned into actually like a laid-back week. I remember just relaxing. Buddies on the bag. Just Honestly, I was just very relaxed that week. I then have a couple weeks off. I fly back to Spain to go to second stage. And I got shipped to a different second stage than my buddy Eric got shipped to. So our expenses are through the roof. Right. And awesome town. I'm trying to think. Tarragona, Spain, I believe is the name of the town. I'm playing a course called Lumine or Lumine. I don't know how they pronounce it, but it was basically our their version of PGA National. Okay. I felt at home. Like everybody spoke English. Boo, I, boo weekly taking care of your shoes. Oh, absolutely. Tequila okay. shots at lunch. The Got whole nine yards. Yeah. Sure. So what I ended up missing by Two or three strokes at second stage. I whiffed a chip. Kind of one of those whoa, crazy whoa, whoa, weeks. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, you want to talk about that, really? You you whip, you shanked a chip or you... No, 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 no. I whiffed. Yeah, let's hear about that, Mr. 6364. Okay, Did you... I tell you that it was lift clean in place, too, and it was in the fairway? <laughs> no, but go ahead. Uh, you whiffed a chip. Yeah, so I kind of slowly had been developing some chipping issues. Sounds and like it. When you're playing as much as I'm playing and not having the time to practice as much as you need to practice, when you develop an issue, it's an issue, especially when it's for your job and for your life. It, of course. Things kind of happen. So I shoot two under on the front nine, don't miss a green. All right. Tenth hole, I spin a wedge to a front flag off the front, this little kind of false edge. And I have, I have the most straightforward chip shot any human being pro would ever dream of. I'm talking – 35% make, probably. Okay. little back of the stance, checkered, little 55-degree wedge, rolled into the hole. Give myself a great lie. It's bent, okay? So if you miss it, you kind of miss it, deal. You you'll can flub it pretty easily unbent, you know? I hit so far, by, so far behind this ball that I went over the ball after I chunked it. So you, you stubbed it so short that the club bounced over the ball. Over the ball, And yeah. you missed the ball completely. The funny part, though, is if, thank God, it was lift clean in place, because if it wasn't, I wouldn't have been able to hit the next shot because the divot, divot was, was in was the all way. over the, yeah. So what I did was I lift clean. I'm like, like a light bulb went off, like, oh, I can lift clean and place this ball again, because that's technically a shot. It's important I move to know it over the rules. a foot. 
I take a putter and tap it to hit it to a foot and tap it and make five. Okay. But that was the start of oh god yeah my downfall. I end up missing by three a hole a wedge the second the third round I shoot sixty five to get back in it. I just shot seventy two or seventy three the last round I missed by three shots. What is now? Just as a sidebar, like you're dropping these numbers on me, like sixty three, sixty four, sixty five, you're, you're, and you're you're mentioning them as if they are just the the most simple thing and just like hey this is what i do i just i shoot seven i shoot eight i shoot six whatever do you have a special mindset for how to do that i mean obviously you have the skill you have the talent but is there a different mindset that you have that the average amateur who maybe can't get past shooting 74 75 has i mean because you hit it far but a lot of people do you make your putts a lot of people do uh it sounds like there might be some people have a better short game than you um, the last five years, yeah. Yeah. So, but I'm just curious, like, is there a special mindset you have that you just teed up? You're like, all right, I'm just going to get to this number now. Growing up, I was really family oriented. My dad played a big part in my golf. My okay. brothers played a big part in my golf. And my dad was a fan of David Duvall. Don't know why. Don't know how. Don't don't have a reason behind it. But he, I remember him saying that David Duvall's dad used to say to David Duvall, don't be afraid to go low. And my dad used to tell me that all the time as a kid. Don't be afraid to go low. Don't be afraid to go low. And for some odd reason, that stuck. It stuck with me. It was one of those things like, there's a few sayings my dad used to say: "Grind, grind, grind it out, grind it out, grind it out." And then when it would get hot, don't be afraid to go low. Like the year I won first stage, it was he caddy for me. He was like, "Who cares? Go low tomorrow." Uh, you mentioned we didn't hit on this when you were you were talking about the Honda, but you mentioned your dad caddied for you. Um, you you sounded like you were extremely uh, green and raw at that event. I can't imagine that your dad was a whole lot better. Oh, he was like the biggest rookie kid in a candy store. Perfect that you can imagine. So give me get, he stole the bib at the end of the Friday round. <laughs> it's hanging him at in his office, I believe, right now. Uh, anything else embarrassing that your dad's done while in your bag? Oh, I mean, we could have 17 episodes talking about that solely, but you know what? I would rather have my dad embarrass the hell out of me than have him never be around. Well, I'm I'm sure that there are plenty of more embarrassing stories that you can share about your father, and since I know him, I'm going to protect him, and we're going to move on. So let's let's kind of go abroad. I know you've played in Europe. Can you give me some stories about some odd places you've played golf, horror stories from hotels and getting lost and the rental car is not there and driving on the wrong side of the road. Uh, what can you share about playing golf in Europe? You ever played golf in Riga, Latvia? Sure haven't. So in high school, I qualified to represent the U.S. in a junior event in Riga, Latvia. Latvia. Yeah, that's like a former Baltic state country. Uh-huh. Awesome experience. I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Okay. Um, Professional-wise, I've played in Ireland, Scotland, uh Portugal, Spain, never been to Australia, never been to Asia, never really wanted to go to South Africa. I've played, I mean. You've been all over. Yeah. A lot of awesome places that I'm so fortunate to have been able to go to. Wow. So, so you, um, you're, you've transitioned out of playing professionally. Sadly. Sadly. Yes. You, uh, you're, well, I, you're, you're taking, you're on hiatus. Well, sometimes when I'm sitting doing something that I don't love with work, I love a lot of things that I do in, in my life and jobs. My previous jobs in the last 18 months, I, there's sometimes I'd sit there and go, why didn't I make more birdies? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you've moved on. You're not playing professionally, but you didn't exactly 
completely get away from the game. You spent some time caddying. So you have the unique experience of playing in the Honda Classic, and then you also caddied in the Honda Classic. So tell me about your caddy experience and who you caddied for. Yeah, yeah. so when I decided I missed it, Q, in 2016, it's kind of like, you know what, you're 30. You've never made it to finals. It's like I like nice things. I'd like to have nice things when I'm 40, 45, 50. It's kind of time to move on. Sure. I wasn't – I kind of wasn't getting better it, the last three years. Right. I hadn't Monday into an event in a few years. It was kind of like, yeah, you'll win some mini tour events, but I just wasn't doing what I needed to do to make the tour. You gotcha. Know? I was trying my ass off. Don't get me wrong. I was doing the right things. I just wasn't progressing anymore. Gotcha. And it was kind of like I need to make a decision for, my, for me, my family, my future, kind of everything. I kind of had a heart-to-heart myself. I went and got my insurance license, and I hadn't been in school in eight, nine years. Graduated with a couple degrees from college, so I, I finished school. I was great. I wasn't like that was a problem. It's just so I got my insurance license. I passed, studied, passed, got my two twenty license in Florida. Sold insurance for four or five months and absolutely hated it. Okay, like just wasn't for me. The industry isn't for me. All right, and I was still kind of practicing because I still loved golf and still had this like maybe I'll come back to it. Maybe I just needed six months off. You know, I remember I'm at the range one day and Derek, like I said, Fat Thar was a buddy of mine. We grew up together. We're members of the same golf course, hitting balls one day. And he's home from a break. He had gotten his PJ Tour card again, been back out there off and on for the last three or four years. And it's good to catch up when we see each other. Like we usually can go for a beer or whatever, you know, but we, I happen to just see him at the golf course unplanned. Hey, what's up, man? What you been up to? Man, I'm playing bad. I'm just not, not playing good, not hitting good. I look at his swing for like, I don't know, half hour. I didn't need to practice mine. I'm not playing full time. I'm just taking an hour away from the office. You sure. Help him out a little bit. He goes out the pebble and he like was leading after 36 holes or something. Doesn't, didn't close well, but he was like, man, what I did, I guess, helped him a little bit. He calls me the week after Riviera and goes, hey, Gio, calls me Gio. Hey, Gio, you, uh, you trying to qualify for Honda? And funny enough, I had tried to qualify for Honda. Hadn't practiced, shot 70 in the pre-cue, missed by a shot. So I wasn't in the Monday. I go, well, funny, I missed by a shot. And he goes, oh, crap. I go, what are you doing Monday? You want to come uh, carry the bag? I'm like, why the hell do you have to Monday? You're a fully exempt member of the PGA Tour. And he goes, no, you dummy, I'm in the tournament. You want to come loop for me at the Honda? And I kind of went, he wants me to caddy at the Honda? Like, just don't steal the bib on Friday is really what yeah. he's asking you to do. And I'm in my head going, am I mentally ready to go caddy when I want to be playing kind of thing? And I'm like, you know what? Derek's a great buddy of mine. I'd love to go help him out. Let's sure. go. If I can make some money to take some pressure off my new career, absolutely. You know? So I go caddy. We have a great Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He's like, hey, I, I really enjoy what's going on here. This is cool. You know? We missed the cut. He didn't didn't have it. I was still helping him with a little bit of the stuff that's going on. And just didn't putt well. And Derek putts and chips like nobody I've ever seen in my life. He's unbelievable. If I could chip for – he could chip for me and putt for me, we'd be crazy good as a group. There you go. Um, so then it's kind of like I go, hey, man, I can do this for a few weeks if you want me to. And he looks at me like, done. Let's go. So I ended up caddying Honda, uh, Valspar in Tampa, Bay Hill. I got to caddy in the Bay Hill Invitational of the year after Arnie passed away. Wow. Which was – that was actually a cooler experience – than I could ever imagine, you know. Um, and then I got, I did Houston for him, and then I did uh, Harbortown. Okay. 
So I did five events. It was great. I learned a lot. I learned that I know I can still make it in my head, deep down inside. Right. I learned that I didn't want to sell insurance. This was like at the back half. Like I, that's the last thing I want to do. I want to do something that involves golf in some way or shape or form. Sure. You know? I don't want to caddy. I tell you that much. That's just not what I want to do. That's um, just too much of a vagabond. Just kind of. Well, it's just I'm all about pressure and pressure situations. That's an uncontrollable pressure situation that I can't handle. Right. You okay. Know? Like yeah, I mean it's punch seven iron. My punch isn't the same as your punch. And try and relay that to your close buddy right who plays different so you were just you were kind of i mean it was a fun little holiday kind of a field trip kind of thing for you but the but you're too close to him to do that full time oh god yeah okay i mean i'm a big believer in that there's friends that can caddy and friends that don't i mean we we left on great terms right it's just his brother actually ended up leaving his job daryl's caddying for him which is awesome that's kind of Derek's dream anyway um which was it was cool i got to taste a lot more of the pga tour than i did as a player as a player it was cool. Derek treated me like a brother. Actually, we, I got to experience a lot more of the PGA Tour than I probably should have. Awesome. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up, but before we get to the quick bucket, which is a uh, short section we have at the back of every episode, we ask you a couple of quick questions. So you've you've transitioned. You're not playing professionally any lo- anymore. You've bounced from the insurance game. You have found something that you really enjoy doing. Tell me about your current role, uh, your current position right now in this uh, in this company you work for so i work for a company called celtic golf um it's remember how i said i wanted to always do something in golf yes so what i do now is i build custom golf vacations to ireland scotland italy france england wales a lot of european destinations and i handle everything from parties of one to parties of however many people you can think of that want to go on a trip so i handle everything from your hotels your rent a car if you want to do a chauffeur drive if you want to play the British Open venues, if you want to play Hidden Gems, if you want to play the local Muni, I can set it up for you. And for someone that played on, you know, in Europe, played professionally, you just you must just have a, I mean, no shortage of knowledge of, of courses that you want to play. And then also you're able to relate it in a way where, hey, I know what I'm talking about. I'm not just a travel agent. Well, I, yeah. I, I do this thing. Just the other day, I had a gentleman call me about St. Andrews and... I was fortunate enough in my amateur career to play in the St. Andrews Lynx Trophy on the old golf course, on the old course at St. Andrews. And I got to be able to describe to him in f- my exact opinion of what I felt of the old course, of how awesome it is, how much of a bucket list experience it is. I shared a few stories of my playing rounds of under the gun or whatever, un- the competitiveness of it. And, I made a 30-footer on the last hole with the crowd around me. And it wasn't even a crowd. It was just the locals the out locals. walking around having beers stopped and watched golf that day. And I'm like, that happens almost every day in St. Andrews. So, like, it's an experience, not just a golf course. And I got to share me actually doing it to a client, which was pretty cool. Yeah. No, I, you, you told me about this venture, and I think you're you're absolutely going to kill it. And, and we will um, – I want to have you on again uh, – later after and tell me some stories about some other trips you've booked and and that's a whole nother episode but before we get too far down that track let's wrap this up let me ask you a couple quick questions here at the quick bucket so um jack nicholas 1986 masters or tiger woods his fifth green jacket which would be the more substantial victory well i grew up with the with the 86 masters my brother tom make a wish foundation got to play golf with jack nicholas when my brother had leukemia so Jack's a huge memory of my family, so 
Jack Nicholas. I mean, okay. mid forties winning the Masters. Are you kidding? Okay, so um, you can give a major championship to anyone in history, alive or dead. They could have one major. They could have eighteen majors. Doesn't matter. You can give a major to anyone. Who would you give it to? Can't give it to yourself. Can't give it to me. I was gonna say other than myself. You're not the only one that's trying to do that. So can't be done. Can't give it to you. Can't give it to me. Who would you give a major championship to? Little brother. Little brothers. How is that that behemoth of a younger brother of yours? Uh, awesome. Works his butt off. He's in the boat I was right out of school. No financial support to play. He's working. He's playing. He's working. He's playing. I'd give it to him in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he hits it a, a long way. All right. Uh, lowest round of golf you ever shot? Uh, sixty. Left a fifteen foot putt short right in the heart. Okay. Worst the last hole. Worst round you ever shot as a professional. Um, I tend to forget about the bad rounds, but it's in. It, there's a there's a, there's an eight in front of it for okay, sure. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, give me the the coolest experience you had on the road in a city that you just did not really expect to have that much fun. I mean, just something that really jumped out. There's like, wow. All right. Um, it's probably a town I don't think I ever want to go to again, but it was one of the coolest dinners I've ever had. Okay. I'm in Alcochete, Portugal. Uh-huh. I'm with two of my best buds. And for three nights, we drove 45 minutes to go to McDonald's because we couldn't find food. Okay? We're there for European tour school, and we can't find food because we don't speak the language. Sure. One of, the, one of my buddies is playing with a local in the European tour school, and he goes, what do you mean you can't find food? Alcochete is the best place for restaurants in Portugal. And we're like, can you show us? We go. He takes us to dinner to what looked like somebody's house. They sit down, and they serve us. They just go, what do you like to eat? And we're like, everything. They bring us seven varieties of fish, beef, chicken. I mean, it was like we were kings in their house. But we weren't in their house. It was a restaurant. It's just small, small back road country in another country. We get the bill. We had a couple beers. It was like 17 euros a person. That's nothing. And looking back on it, it was like these people basically welcomed me into their family. You know. Wow. What's the place that... Uh I mean, when did you really know that you were you were done? Was there a city or a stop that that just really like okay? I think I'm. I'm... Yeah, uh, nothing against Okefenokee Swamp, Georgia. I'm sorry, can you repeat that, please? Yeah, yeah, Okefenokee Swamp, Georgia. Yeah, there was a Swing Thought event, and I just it was one of those moments. I'm like, this is not what I want in my life. It's time to do something that I'm passionate about. I was passionate about golf, but I wasn't passionate about that aspect of golf. Well, Greg, I really do appreciate the time. Uh, I think we left a lot on the table. I think we're going to have to have you back as a future guest for sure. Uh, For the meantime, though, thank you so much for joining us here at the Back of the Range, and all the best to you. No, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to uh, sit and enjoy a bourbon with you and be your first live person. And there you have it. Thanks so much to Greg O'Mahony from Jupiter, Florida. That was our first two-part episode. Hope everyone enjoyed it. Shoot me an email and let me know your thoughts, ben at thebackoftherange.com. Don't forget, we are on Instagram, and you can follow us there at the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. Hope you all have a great week. We'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range.